Paul's letter on this second chapter, and most of his letter anyway, is about love and about grace. In this chapter, there are probably about six sermons that I could have chosen, but I want to talk this morning about grace. Grace is too too unpredictable, too lavish, too delicious for us to be sober about it. That was a quote by the theologian uh, Lewis Smead. Too lavish and too delicious. What a description. What is it about grace that makes it so special? Jesus himself was grace acted out. In everything we see of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can see grace and love as the motivation for the things that he did. He gives freedom. It's bestowed upon those who don't deserve it. Not one of us here deserves the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ poured out on us. And yet, because he loves us, that grace is ours. It's in superabundance. It doesn't come in little chunks. When Jesus poured out grace, he, he just let it flow. It had no limits. It went beyond the cross. It gives free, it's given free from obligation. There's no way we can buy our way into the kingdom. It's not something that if you do this, I'll do that. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't have deals. What it is asks you to do is accept that grace. To accept that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. And then live in it. It's given without expectation of return. I'll let you off if you do so and so. So often when we we see things on television and crimes, people want tit for tat on everything that has happened to them. Jesus just wants us to be forgiven unconditionally. And God's grace, in a sense, is a, a coat of many colours. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 says, As each of you have received a gift, Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, we all have a part to play. And as we've received grace from the Lord Jesus Christ, then we hold it, we handle it, and and we pass it on. As he's been graceful to us, then we expect to go and be graceful to others. The scripture this morning says, and he made you alive, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. In other words, he's saying go, we were going with the flow. This is the direction that the, the world goes in. If things were just sort of natural, the world would flow in sin. It's, it's easier, it's more fun, it's, it's, you know, more relaxed, if you like. Or is it? But what he's saying here is that the, the folks there in the church, in a sense, were, at that time, were being caught up with the the fashions and the ways of that particular age. Today we live in a, a, a different age to the, when this letter was written. And I look back through my life and through generations, the, the world changes and fashions, different sins come along, different different things that uh, young people can do, us older people can do, to fit in with the world, to do what the world does, because it's easy. But the thing is that we recognize sometimes that yes, we're going down that wrong road. And the only way out of it is to turn around and to go back and pick up the right road again. Otherwise we don't meet, reach our destination. Our destination is to be in the kingdom of God. To be there with Jesus, to be one with Jesus, to live as Jesus lived. That when people look upon our lives, they, they recognize Jesus in us. Because we're a shadow of him. Or a reflection, perhaps, I should say. And that's the direction in which we should aim our lives. Not just to drift along. But we do. But verse 4 said, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, by which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We could follow the path of the world and we could wander on and just live with it and, and go along with it until the day we die. But no, today, by accepting that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we live, we live a new life. We can live a life which is free from guilt. That the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kingdom towards us in Christ. We can appreciate the exceeding riches of his grace as redemption or, or freedom. We can see it as a pardon or forgiveness. <coughs> I found a, a, an interesting statement made 
by the parents of the young man that was killed on his motorcycle. There's been much about it because the person who it's believed uh, killed her, killed him, has gone to America under diplomatic immunity. And they want her to come back. They want her to come back and answer questions the police want to ask. But they were very emotional speeches from them, particularly the mother. And what I found interesting, and with the emotion, it might have been passed over. But what she said is we want her to come back to answer the questions. We don't want her to go to prison or have trouble. We just want to know what happened. And I thought in amongst all the emotion and the difficulty, what a wonderful statement. They want to know that that was who killed their son and that it was an accident, not somebody who was being malicious or or anything else. I just want the questions answered. And isn't that like us? We, we sin. And all God wants to know is that we did it and we're sorry. And we won't do it again. And I felt that in amongst all that emotion and there's been a veil of anger that has gone around because the woman has used uh, her, or used or misused dispense which way you look at things for a position that sentence of grace we don't particularly want to be punished we just want to know how our son died and that's what God does when we go before him with our sins when we confess our sins he just wants us to confess them to get them of ourselves and then we're forgiven and you know if that woman comes forward and she does that she, she will have a freedom that she doesn't have now while she's hiding away she will live with the knowledge of what she's done she'll live with the fear of being caught she will be, live with all sorts of things but if she comes and tells the truth with that truth will come a freedom, certainly from the parents. And that is grace. That is the grace that the Lord Jesus gives us. It gives us freedom. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we have are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared the way. And God is showing us, he's showing us through the scriptures the path that we should walk. And grace works to change us. As we recognize the Lord Jesus Christ, as we feel his grace, as we feel his forgiveness, as we have that freedom, it's going to change our lives. It's going to make us want to walk in those directions. I've written here, we, we are his showpiece for the future. We're witness to the angels. 
We're the workmanship in the present. Remember the last time I spoke, I said that the church is God's recovery unit, or as Alex always puts it, it, the church is a workshop. It's a place where we're learning. It's a place where we're beginning to understand the grace of God. Simply because we were bought by his blood. In the, uh, in the following verses it says, Having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ. In our lives we have lived things, we have done things that have taken us far away from the kingdom of God. But when we recognize the Lord Jesus as our Savior, when we recognize what he did for us on the cross, and we draw near near to him, and we're immersed in him, we're close. We're in his kingdom. We're his children. We have, by his handiwork, become fully human again. And in later chapters, we'll discover how to put this into practice. I say fully human because so often we underrate ourselves. We say, oh, I'm only, a, I'm only human when we make a mistake. No, you're not, you're subhuman. When we're fully in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are fully human. We are what God created in the beginning. It's when we drift from him that our humanity drifts. But God created us fully human. And it's God's plan that we should be restored to that state. And so when we, get, when we put things right, when we are receiving that grace, he himself is our peace, the word says. For through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. That peace comes. That peace of being able to Pray to be able to face the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have done something wrong to somebody, it's very difficult to face them. We tend to skirt round and avoid them. But when we have put it right, when we have confessed what we've done wrong, when we've apologised it, when we've been forgiven, quite often we can be closer friends than we were before. We can certainly face each other. And so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ when we have done wrong and we confess our sins and he forgives us and shows us that grace. We can face him. We don't have to hide. For through him we have both access by the Spirit to the Father spiritual beings we think as Jesus thinks we think as God wants us to think and we can become one with him
And as we go on to verse 19, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the membership of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. No longer strangers or foreigners. We are one, we are fellow citizens. And if those of you who were here last time may remember that I said this letter wasn't written to an individual, it was written to the church as a whole. It's talking to us as a church, as a group of people. We together are citizens and saints and members of the household of God. We are a unit. And this is where we need to grow together. Where we need to share that grace. And in the, in the following chapters we, we will learn more of this. We are his church family. And we are a chosen people. We are chosen because God wants to restore what he created in the first place. And you and I are part of that story. You and I are citizens of the kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his grace. Let's look at it the other end. He could have wiped us out years ago. As he threatened to do in the days of Noah, but he didn't. By his grace, through Noah, he continued. He continued, and we are here today because of that. Because God so loved the world, he sent his only son to die. But whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. And if we choose to follow Jesus Christ, if we choose that sacrifice and accept him as our saviour, we will have eternal life. But we will also have life here on earth. Life that has a freedom, a freedom of heart, a freedom of spirit, and a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we take communion, I'm going to show you a snip of one of the Alpha videos that we've seen over the last week, which demonstrates the sacrifice that Jesus made. And so it's just a few minutes to watch that, and then we will move into communion. <laughs> 